Over the next um, couple of weeks leading up to Christmas, I want us to um, talk about some theology around the incarnation. But before you switch off, at, or some of you might be like, some, some people's like, bing, might have been like, well, this would be interesting. And other people might have been like, I've already switched off. Um, what I want to try and do, again, try to do this, is to just maybe bring in a few bigger concepts about the incarnation that are embedded and present in our Christian theology, but make it very practical and um, spiritual in terms of our own spirituality. So I'm not looking to kind of download some head knowledge to you um, so that you can know more, but I think there are some um, really rich things that we can understand about what we believe that actually help and empower our Christian life and our spiritual life. So that's what I'm hoping to do. But the disclaimer is that much... Now, let me just say this. All theology uh, is an attempt to describe mystery. Um, that's not to say we don't know what we're talking about, but that is to say that we are humble about what we talk about and that while there are you know, some things that are very certain, there are a lot of things outside the certain circle that we speculate about. And all theology in its best form, should lead us towards greater worship and greater awe. And um, one of my favourite theologians um, says that speaking about theology or theologising, he calls it, is a whole lot like windsurfing. Very few people can do it. Even fewer people can do it and look good. And most people just end up falling in the water. And I think that's a kind of a humble way to think about the way we think and then the way we talk about God is it is standing before mystery and trying to put words to things that are slightly unfathomable. And especially when we're talking about the incarnation, I think that's very true because it is a, an incredibly key part of our Christian thinking. But the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about it in terms of like unpacking it, like let's, let me like lay it out for you exactly what all this means. That's what faithful followers of Jesus have been doing for the last 2,000 years. And there is some wonderful stuff for us to dive into. So I want to tonight talk about the concept of kenosis, which is possibly a word that you've heard before. It's a Greek word and it means emptying. And this is part of our incarnational theology, that God engaged in kenosis when he became Jesus of Nazareth. So the, the place that we get this from is Philippians chapter 2 and verses 5 to 11. So I'm going to read them out and we've got them up on the screen. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. That is one of our most beautiful and poetic descriptions of the incarnation. Um, Suggestions are that it was actually a hymn that was sung in the very early days of the Christian church. Um, it's written, if you, if you read it in your, in your Bible, it, it reads like, goes away from like line by line into kind of like poetry. So we know that it's, it's either poetry or it's song or it's something that the early church, when they were trying to really grasp who this Christ was, who this Jesus of Nazareth was, this is some of the most beautiful incarnational words that they came up with. And that, um, those words in verse 7, or and if you flick back, He made himself nothing. That is kenosis. Kenosis is the Greek word for emptying. And so Jesus Christ, Christ, as God, emptied himself of his transcendence and his eminence and all the the word that was from the beginning, the pre-existent Christ, the Christ that existed before all creation, um, the eternal Christ, emptied himself and became a human person in order to reach us. So Paul uses in Philippians chapter 2 that word kenosis, or he uses a a verb form of it, canoe, canoe, um, to describe what, what Christ did, what God did in Christ. It describes his self-emptying power. I think I've got this up on a, on a slide. Oh, yeah, there we go. Describes Christ's self-emptying power, his self-giving love and radical servanthood revealed in the word become flesh and then particularly seen in the passion of the Christ. So as early Christian people were trying to wrestle with how do we understand who the person of Jesus of Nazareth actually was? That was one of the great wrestles that the early church had to come up with. Like those who saw Jesus, and we, we see glimpses of this in our gospel narratives and even especially in the, in the book of 1 John, where John writes, we are the ones who have seen him, we watched him, we beheld him, we saw all that he did. They saw this very man, a flesh man, it wasn't just like this ghost wandering around, they saw this human person doing these amazing things, suffering through death and then rising again and obviously they knew he was more than just a man but, and they knew he was the son of God and they were putting the pieces together to how do we understand this God that we know in the Old Testament has now become someone in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And there was a lot of really robust thinking that went into this. And already by the time that um, Paul writes Philippians, they're already starting to acknowledge and unpack and realise that there was something that God did in and of himself, when he became a man. And the best way we can describe that is that somehow he emptied himself and humbled himself and became self-giving and self-emptying in order to come and reach us. So this is some of the, the things that they started to wrestle with. And in many of our, much of our thinking, I suppose, one of the, one of the things I want to pull out for us tonight is this is that the question is, was this a one-time event? Did God do a one-time event, kenosis, in the person of Jesus? 
Or does this actually reflect something about the nature of who God is in himself? So that's one of the things. I am... Um, this, this, this picture up here is a picture of the plant. Does anyone know what this plant is? <laughs> Random, no, no. This is a strange um, orchid cacti called Queen of the Night. Okay, I have one of these in my garden. It's a weird looking plant. It's not that attractive except for that bit. It kind of just looks like greeny, cactusy, non-prickly, weird leaves. But creates these beautiful flowers. However, these flowers only flower once a year and only in the middle of the night. And, and if you're not watching it, you'll miss it. And I have mine is flowering. I've got two flowers on at the moment and it's like this. Every day I have to go out and check it. I need to see how close it is and every night before I have to go to, well, I don't have to but I chew, but every night before I go to bed I go out and check it. It's like having a little baby or something except you only check it once a day. Because um, I don't want to miss it, this one-time event, this plant that's going to open up and flower and if I, if there's one night that it chooses to do, I mean, I mean there's a plant choose, but this one night it happens to do this and I miss it, I will miss seeing it and I will miss smelling it. And apparently it's one of the most beautifully scented flowers. But if I go out in the morning I, and I've missed it, I will just see this wilted flower dropped on the ground. And I don't want to miss it. So I'm watching. I'm watching. And I often think like so sometimes in our thinking about Jesus, we imagine that the incarnation of Jesus was a one-time event a one-time event that God emptied himself. He became man and he died on the cross and he rose again and now he's, he's back up in glory and it was a one-time event. But I actually think there's some deeper levels of understanding around who God is that what we see in the incarnation is a picture of the nature of God that for the first time ever we see it fully in all its fullness in the person of Jesus Christ. And theologians and thinkers and mystics, some of them have come to understand that the, the incarnation, the kenosis of Christ, is not just a one-time event, but is the fullest expression of the very nature of God. So God didn't just do this one-time event in space-time, where he became Jesus and that was it and now it's done. It's the fact that God is self-emptying, that we see most visibly in the person of Jesus is a part of the nature of who God is. God is eternally self-emptying. God in his nature is eternally self-giving. He's always kenosising and emptying himself and emptying himself and emptying himself. Let me read this. What if Jesus' humility, meekness and servant heart were never a departure from God's glory and power but actually define and demonstrate it? What if kenosis, self-emptying power, self-giving love and radical servanthood expresses the very nature of God? That actually this process of God 
emptying himself and becoming man, is simply one of the fullest expressions of the nature of God that is self-emptying, radical servanthood and and self-giving love. I've got a picture of of the Trinity, which you, you may have seen before. And this is how I can best probably describe the kenosis of God within the context of the triune God. That the Father pours himself out into the Son and the Son pours himself out into the Spirit and the Spirit pours himself back up into the Father. And it is this continual self-giving, self-emptying, outpouring between the three persons of the Godhood that is the fullest expression of the nature of who God is. Do you get why we're entering mystery here? Yeah. This is what, you know, these are some of the biggest thinkers of how we can, they're trying to understand the nature of who God is. So the Father pours out the fullness of himself into the Son. The Son is the very image of the Father. The Son pours out the fullness of himself into the Spirit. The Spirit pours himself fully back out into the Father. And it is a self-giving, self-emptying, continual looping of giving relationship within the Godhead. This is sort of Trinitarian theology. And theologians and mystics and thinkers would say that this is what has been happening from all eternity. Before the beginning of time, before all things were created, our self-giving, radically loving God was pouring himself out. And of course, the inevitable outworking of that, the inevitable byproduct of that, the inevitable overflow of that, the natural expression of that was everything we see in all of creation. That the created order, the created world is the natural overflow of the outpouring of God in this canonic relationship that he has. Isaiah 6 verse 3 says, The holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth is an overflow and a byproduct and an expression of the glory of God that has been poured out from the Godhead. Genesis 1 talks about humankind being made in the image of God, like we are an outpouring and overflowing of the image of God. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it talks about humankind as the image and the glory of God. So we have this canonic God, this God that continually is outpouring himself, pouring himself, emptying himself. And Jesus Christ... Jesus of Nazareth is the most visible, understandable expression of that because God poured himself out to become man. He emptied himself in order to reach us, to become like us in order that we could come back into relationship with this self-giving love. St. Isaac the Syrian, who was a 7th century saint, recognised in both the Catholic and the Eastern Orthodox Church, said this, God's taking of our humanity is to be understood not only as an act of restoration, not only as a response to man's sin, but also and more fundamentally an expression and more fundamentally as an act of love, an expression of God's own nature. Even had there been no fall, God in his own limitless, outgoing love 
would still have chosen to identify himself with his creation by becoming man. Isn't that, that's big thinking. That even had there been no fall, the natural expression of our canonic God who is self-giving, radically servanthood love would have been to come and be one of us in order to be with us. That's like, that's kind of deep thinking. That's way deeper than most of us think about just day-to-day kind of God. So God is canonic, self-emptying, self-giving love. So what? I'm going to end the theology there, all right? So I'm just going to end the the deep thinking for a minute. So what? That's nice. Some incarnational canonic theology. Thanks, Caro. Now what? This is how I see this deep thinking and good theology, how it should be outworking itself in our day-to-day lives and in our spirituality. What this teaches us about the nature of God and therefore about the nature of us is that perhaps the true path of the spiritual life lies in self-emptying rather than in seeking more. If we exist as an expression of this beautiful, self-giving, canonic, triune God, then the logical expression of that is that our spiritual path, the way we grow deeper in the Lord, the way we journey along on our path with following Jesus, involves a whole lot more self-emptying than it does accumulation of things. And Jesus said this wonderfully in Matthew chapter 5, the very first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, not the full and satisfied, but the poor and the empty. Blessed are the poor in spirit, because the kingdom of heaven belongs to those people. In other translations, it says this, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. Blessed are the spiritually poor. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. How blissful the destitute, beggars in spirit. Foe, for for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. Blessed are those who are poor at being spiritual, for the kingdom of heaven is well suited for ordinary people. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are empty. Blessed are those who long. Blessed are those who are not full. Blessed are those who are empty. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now that means that who wants the kingdom of heaven? Who wants to be in the way of God? Who wants to live in his kingdom? We do. But the path to living in that seems to not be a path of like fullness and acquisition and more but actually seems to be a path of poverty in spirit where we end up being a little bit more empty. Meister Eckhart said it like this, God is not found in the soul by adding anything but by a process of subtraction. And John the Baptist said it brilliantly, 
in John 3 verse 30 when he's talking about Jesus and he says, he must increase but I must decrease. And so perhaps the path of Christ-likeness for us is to be self-emptying, to recognise that the journey of following God perhaps involves more emptying of ourselves than it does searching for the next thing that's going to fill us up. Because maybe when we are empty, we are more open to the fullness of God being poured into us. And as I was thinking about this, got a little illustration. I haven't done one of these for so long. You should be so impressed with my illustration. I know I haven't done it yet. Two cups. I mean, this is like not rocket science. You know, can you open that thing? Can you guys see my beautiful illustration? <laughs> if we have a radically giving, emptying God whose utter thrust of being is to pour himself out, pour himself out into the Son, pour himself out into the Spirit, pour himself out into the Father, in which we are captured into this outpouring flow of the kenosis of God, which of these cups is going to be able to receive more water? The one that's full of nuts... That's the only thing I could find. Or the one that's empty. And the answer is, when we are empty, we are more positioned to be filled up with the fullness of God than when we are full of other stuff. That's why Meister Eckhart says that the path of spirituality, the path of seeking God in the soul, is more a path of subtraction in order that we might have more room for the fullness of God. And so we choose to be self-emptying in order to reflect the Christ-likeness of our God, in order that we may be filled to the full, and I've run out of water, with who God is. This is kenosis. And this is how it outworks itself in our spirituality, that we choose to be like Christ and self-empty. Maybe your path of drawing nearer to God does not involve more knowledge, does not involve a new experience, a new high. It doesn't involve you working up greater faith. It doesn't involve you gaining more understanding, more trying to be spiritual. Maybe we are nearer to God when we are empty and humble, when we surrender, when our spiritual stance is one of letting go, not holding on, when we just stop striving and we rest, when there's things we don't know, And when we either find ourselves empty and exhausted or when we choose to empty and declutter our souls. Maybe the path towards greater freedom and greater transformation is not the path of more, but it's actually the path of less. Maybe we need a little bit more self-emptying 
a little bit more kenosis, a little bit more Christ-likeness in order to gain the fullness of God. As Jesus said, what is it if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? What is it if you're full, if your glass is full of nuts and there's no room left for God? We're called to be self-emptying. This goes against so much of our human pride because we tend to feel so much better about ourselves when we feel good and full and confident and capable and productive and all of those things. We feel better about ourselves when we're there rather than when we feel exhausted, on the edge, empty, like we've got nothing left to give, like we're aching in our soul. We feel so much better when we're in control of our life than where we've got a whole lot of empty space in us and we're just longing for God to fill. This is where it gets difficult. I know, I will say, I feel so much better standing up in front of you and preaching when I feel good. When I feel empty and like I've got nothing left, it is so hard. But which of those is more reliant on God? If you were to put those two carrows next to each other, which is the one more reliant on God? The one who's real confident in everything she's written down or the one who's feeling empty and desperately relying on the Spirit of God to cover all of her weakness? But I don't like being her. I don't like feeling like that and I tend to try to do everything in my power to not feel like that. Which means doing all the things to try and keep me filled up enough to not feel that kind of aching need for God. And we do this in so many ways in our own lives. We rely on so many different anchors than we do rely on the path of decluttering and self-emptying in order that we might have more of an abundance of God. Now, I'm not saying, look, always live on the edge and be a broken mess and just like bleed. I'm not saying that. But one of the things I have learned to be very true about God is that when I am at the end of my rope, I experience him coming through in ways that I don't when I'm three metres up and still clinging on. And there is a place, I think, in our spirituality for us to embrace kenosis and self-emptying. Sometimes we find ourselves just completely and utterly empty because of life. We are spent. We have got nothing left. Every part of our giving has sucked the the life out of us and we are empty by nature of just the life around us. When we are at that place, we are well suited for the kingdom of God because God comes in with his fullness and he is constant outpouring love. And so when you are empty and feeling like that, there is a whole lot of room that when you turn to that outpouring of God, you can be filled up and find peace. So sometimes we just find ourselves in these places and we need to learn to embrace them and we need to choose to turn towards God rather than towards all of our other coping mechanisms that we do when we feel empty. 
because we have a whole pocket full of coping mechanisms for emptiness, don't we? Do we do, I can list some. Food, wine, Netflix, food, wine and Netflix. Um, just any kind of distraction that takes us away from the feeling on the inside. Like we, we are really good at going to other places to seek satisfaction rather than going to God. But when we're empty, God is kenosis, constant, kenotic, outpouring love. And all we need to do is turn to him and he fills us up. Now, that doesn't mean you're instantly going to feel better, but you are not alone and neither are you empty. And you can trust that yours is the kingdom of heaven. So if you are in that place tonight or you know very well what that place feels like, I would want to encourage you that Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, that you are well placed to encounter the goodness of God and the fullness of God and the ways of God. And sometimes we don't always find ourselves in those places and we need to practice decluttering our soul. Like minimalism is becoming really hip but we should also be applying minimalism to our souls. You don't need more, 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 more in order to get closer to God. You probably need less. You probably need to take out a little bit of pride, a little bit of ego, a little bit of self-reliance, a little bit of independence a little bit of religious activity that you think keeps God happy, a little bit of addictive behaviours, and so on, in order to become emptier, in order that God might fill you up a little bit more. That is the the choice of self-emptying. That is the choice of decluttering. And so often I feel like, I'll speak for myself, so often in my spiritual life when I'm feeling a little bit empty, I do have a tendency to think, oh, if I read that book, oh, if I, if that person prays for me, oh, if I just get six hours of solitude, then I will feel good. Like I've got all of these things that I think, but they're just really extra things that I'm not saying God isn't in them, but it's not always just turning to the fullness of God in and of itself either. And so I think that the process of self-emptying is a good one for us. So kenosis is a deep, mysterious, mystical, theological concept that little baby Jesus teaches us. But as it outworks ourselves in our spiritual lives, it teaches us something about the nature of God, that he is self-emptying, And that our path in following him is to also choose the path of self-emptying or perhaps to choose to embrace the reality of our own emptiness in order that we might more fully experience the fullness of God. And so I would like to finish there. And um, I would actually like us to spend some time praying and just being with God and either maybe 
practicing some self-emptying or maybe praying for one another if we are in a place of being utterly bereft in our spirituality, in our physicality, in our emotional lives. This is where we can minister the grace and the fullness of God to one another. And so I'm going to pray and Becca's going to come up and we've got one more song. I'm going to, maybe Luke, you can move my nuts. Um, Why don't you just close your eyes? And just in your mind's eye, in the mind of Christ that is yours, I want you to ask God to give you a picture of his self-emptying love. I don't know what that will look like for you. But I want you to imagine the God who is constant, eternal, never-ending, self-emptying, servant love. And I want you to imagine that self-emptying nature of God, running, flying, rushing toward you. And if you're feeling empty, you're feeling exhausted, if you're feeling spent, if you're feeling utterly bereft in your innermost being, I want you to ask the fullness of God to come and fill you up to overflowing. And just allow that beautiful kenosis of God to minister into your spirit. might like to just open your hands in front of you just to receive and have a posture of receiving from God the fullness, the fullness of overflowing God. And if you're sitting here tonight and you are feeling like you're you're doing okay, on this day you're not too empty. I want you to voluntarily ask that outpouring God, is there something I can surrender? Is there something I can let go of? Is there something I can declutter from my soul in order that I might have more room for your goodness and your grace and your mercy? your love because God we don't want to do this life in our own strength 
We don't want to live this life full of ourselves. We want to live our lives full of you. We want to lay ourselves down that you might fill us up and lift us up. And so God, we choose the path of less. We choose the path of relying on you. We choose the path of surrender and letting go in order that your life poured out into us may continue on and over and through us and out into this world. That Jesus, just like you, emptied yourself for the life of the world. We might empty ourselves to be filled up with you, to be poured out for the life of the world. We don't want to live in our own strength, God. We want to live in the overflowing abundance of your goodness. And so we ask you, Lord God, for more, more of you, more of your love, more of your goodness, more of your peace, more of your joy, Lord Jesus, bubbling up in our souls. Becca's going to sing this song. If you would like to sing along, you can do that. Maybe we'll all stand and just I would encourage you to just keep spending time with God, to keep talking to God. And if you would like someone to pray for you, then maybe you just want to tap the person on the shoulder who's next to you or I'm going to be standing here and I would love to pray for anyone who would like to be filled up to more overflowing with the love of God. So let's stand and we'll just finish with a time of seeking God and ministering to one another and worshipping him.